Hello and welcome to Curdled Ink, One Woman's Tirade Against Poor Writing and Problematic Romance. My name is Lee and this is episode 20, chapter 20 of Fifty Shades of Grey. And I do apologize this episode is late once again, best laid plans and all that. I did intend to get this out a little earlier, but it was the holidays, so I was not recording podcast episodes, I was doing holiday stuff. (laughs) So anyway, if you remember, from last chapter. Anna and Christian are at Christian's family's house for a family dinner. Christian has just picked Anna up and carried her into the attic of the boathouse, and once they're there, Anna asks Christian, please don't spank her. Pin in that. He explains why he's mad at her and why he wanted to punish her, and it's because he she stopped him from touching her under the table at dinner. I don't remember if I mentioned this in the last episode or not, but there was a few times where he was like kind of touching her leg, kind of trying to go up higher, and she was she like shifted away from him to be like, "Hey, um, I didn't consent to that. We're in public eating dinner with your family. I'm not about that." right now. And so apparently that has made him mad enough that he's now going to punish her, that she has decided that she doesn't want sexual contact in public, which might I add, they did not discuss that beforehand. There was no warning of, hey, how would you feel about this? He just decided to do it, and she said no, which she was perfectly within her rights to do, and now he's mad at her. So that's cool. He says no one has ever told him no before. Like, really? Seriously? No one ever? Like, your parents never said no to you? Never set any boundaries for you? Well, I don't know. I guess that might explain a lot about why you don't know how to actually interact with other people like a human being. Jesus Christ. Okay, page 348. He says, I'm mad because you never mentioned Georgia to me. That's Anna saying that she might want to go visit her mom in Georgia. I'm mad because you went drinking with that guy who tried to seduce you when you were drunk and who left you when you were ill with an almost complete stranger. What kind of friend does that? That's when Kate mentioned that Anna spent some time at a bar with Jose. And I'm mad and aroused because you closed your legs on me. How dare she? Oh my goodness. There's there's just so much to unpack there. The Georgia thing. Okay, they've agreed to this certain schedule of when they're going to see each other, and Christian is mad, first of all, because if Anna does go to Georgia, that would disrupt their schedule. Which, you know, as an autistic person, I like schedules. Unexpected disruptions to my schedules can be quite upsetting, so I kind of understand that, but the solution is to talk it out and see what kind of things you can do before and after your partner's trip to make that disruption to your schedule more tenable and more tolerable. It's not to get angry at them and try to punish them. He also just, I get the feeling he's angry about her going to Georgia because it's just, it's something that she has come up with all on her own and has nothing to do with him and has nothing to do with being his good little slave or whatever, his good little sub. You know, it's it's just her being totally independent and living her life and that pisses him the fuck off, which is (laughs) a problem. 
He's mad that she saw Jose after he quote-unquote tried to seduce her. You know what word I would actually use for that. I've said it before. And like, I've said this before too, like, it's ultimately her choice whether she wants to see Jose again or not, and whether she wants to forgive Jose or not. And Christian can be, can disagree with her decision about that. I also disagree with her decision, but he's her friend, and it's her life, and it's her decision, and she has chosen to forgive Jose and to keep being friends with him and to keep seeing him, and Christian needs to deal with that. And then, of course, there's him getting mad because she closed her legs to him. She said no. She's allowed to fucking do that, bro, at any time for any reason. Certainly with something that's a little out of the ordinary, like trying to play with her pussy under your parents' dinner table while surrounded by people. That's pretty public, pretty risky, totally understandable that not everyone's gonna want to do that, especially without any kind of negotiation or discussion first. So he agrees that he's not going to spank her, but he is going to fuck her, and he says she's not allowed to come or he will spank her. That's something else that, like, really takes a lot more discussion than he is ever willing to give it. Because, like, if she is not able to stop herself from coming, it's just setting an impossible standard for your submissive, which is the exact opposite of what a good, constructive, you know, DS relationship will do. You want to set tasks, you want to set expectations that your sub can achieve and is willing to work to achieve. Whereas if it's something like, don't come or I'll punish you, you know, in Anna's case, she's like, how the fuck am I supposed to not come? Like, how do I, like, she has no idea. And so that's super unfair. It's just, it's like setting her up to fail which is setting her up for anxiety, you know, related to her submission and Christian's dominance, which is super unhealthy because then you just, like, you can't win and you start feeling like a failure and, like, it's it's just not a healthy dynamic and, and it can start make, making submission and making kink feel like this super scary negative thing that you're just gonna fail at and you're just gonna get punished for and, and it feels bad and that's not what it's supposed to be. Page 350. He like fucks her. He comes. She doesn't. He says, don't touch yourself. I want you frustrated. That's what you do to me by not talking to me, by denying me what's mine. So not talking to me, he means not mentioning that she's going to Georgia, which is completely unfair because in that conversation where she mentions it, that's like the first time she's really truly thought about, like she's kind of molded over before in the narrative of like, well, maybe I should go to Georgia. Maybe I should go see my mom. But this is the first time that she's actually like truly considering it is in that moment as she's saying it in the conversation. So like there was really no reason for her to, to mention it to Christian before this. Like that it's just not fair. Then, of course, the, the part about denying me what's mine, that's him saying, how dare you not give your consent for me to touch you under the table, which I have said enough times at this point, she is well within her rights to fucking do that. 
so page 351, they're back in the house, they're dressed and whatever, saying goodbye to Kate and Elliot, and Anna says to Kate, I need to speak to you about antagonizing Christian. And Kate replies, he needs antagonizing, then you can see what he's really like. I can kind of, a little bit, maybe understand from Kate's perspective, like, she sees how scary and how dangerous Christian is and how poorly he is treating Anna, and she wants Anna to see that. I, I understand that. I've been there. I have seen a friend be in a, a relationship that with someone who is not treating them right, and I, I, it's hard when you're, like, trying your best to, to make them see that, and they're like, oh, but he's, like, it's fine, and, and you're, you're there like, no, it's not fine. And there's only so much you can do and that's frustrating and I totally understand that. But at the same time, like, especially with someone this powerful, you know, with this much money and this much resources to like stalk Anna and abuse her in all these ways, like you have to be careful with antagonizing someone like that because a lot of times abusers will take that out on their victims. You know, they'll they'll react one way, they'll brush it off in public so as, you know, not to escalate something in public and then, you know, they go back home with their victim and just take it out on them and, and like, abuse them and, and be like, this is your fault for, you know, what your friend said or whatever it is. Like, that can, that can really, really escalate the abuse that someone is going through. So it's, it's really not the best tactic to purposefully try to rile someone up if they are, you know, being abusive to their partner or anyone in their life, really, because it, it can be very, very dangerous for their victim. Page 352. Here's another line that I think reveals a lot about Christian and the way he interacts with the world, and it's really scary. Christian and Anna are leaving, and, you know, everyone in Christian's family is saying goodbye to Anna and, like, hugging her and being like, oh, it's so good to meet you, take care of yourself, blah, blah, blah. Christian says, Says, let's not frighten her away or spoil her with too much affection. And his mom says, Christian, stop teasing. But Anna is thinking to herself, somehow, I don't think he's teasing. If Anna's right and he's serious about that, yikes. Like, what a way to see the world. What a way to see someone that you can, that you think, oh, I have to ration my affection for them. Otherwise, they'll be quote-unquote spoiled. Like, that's awful. Like, no. If you love someone, show them you love them. Be affectionate. Like, I, that's not, it's not going to quote-unquote spoil them, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. You know, if anything, if you're purposefully withholding affection and only doling it out, it can, it it can become really, really manipulative and really, really negative for the person who's like not necessarily getting as much affection as they want or need in order to feel safe and secure in that relationship. You know, in a way, it's maybe purposefully trying to make her not feel safe and secure in that relationship, to try and make her cling harder to it. Love, affection, it should be freely given, like, especially to your partner, your family, to people you care about, whoever that is in your life. Like, love them freely, be affectionate freely. Also, like, come on, like, three family members hugging her goodbye at the door is not this overly, you know, outpouring of love. Like, that's just, that's just people being nice. Like, that's just fun fucking normal. I- <sighs> yikes. So they talk out some things in the car on the way home, which is good. That's encouraging. Christian tries his emotionally stunted 
best to reassure Anna that he did, in fact, actually want her to be there to meet his parents, because if you remember in chapter 19, Anna was saying, oh, he only invited me so it wouldn't be awkward with Kate, and, and you know, he, he kind of sort of tries to be like, oh, no, I actually did want you there. I just don't know how to have emotions. And she, Anna, meanwhile, explains that she wants to visit her mom in Georgia to try and get some space and kind of think through their relationship. And Christian is immediately like, oh, you said you'd try. And like, yeah, she is trying. She is trying a lot of new fucking things. She is way out of her depth here. Also, Christian, you said you'd try too to be more romantic and whatever. I don't see you doing that, like, at all. You need to be putting in the effort, too. Also, like, she is allowed to try for as long or as short as she wants and to have doubts at any point and to step away to think about those doubts at any point. Like, just because she said she's give it a try does not mean she is locked in now. But then she's sitting there having all these thoughts about how, like, she's still so nervous about trying kink. She wants more affection than she's getting from Christian. And she doesn't tell him any of this. And she fucking needs to tell him all of that because that's all so important. That's... That's, like, the two fundamental things that they both want out of this relationship, right? Christian wants kink, Anna wants love and affection, and the fact that she's having all of these strong feelings about both of those things, like, that needs to be a conversation, too. But all she says is, I want more. And those three words are doing so much fucking heavy lifting in this relationship. They are absolutely straining under the weight. That is not, you can't just say, I want more and have that stand in for a conversation of what more do you want? What are you not getting? What are your next steps? And, and like, <sighs> ah. So in the end, Christian does encourage her to think things through in Georgia before she signs the contract, so good for him. She, meanwhile, still can't see his kink and his dominance as an expression of his love, and I've, I've been saying this a lot throughout this book because that's super important to me, that, like, my kinkiness and my submission is such an important expression of my love and my affection for my partners, and I feel like Christian is kind of the same way. Like, he is dominant as a way to be loving. Like, that's how he feels and expresses love, and she does not see that at all. She is thinking about how she's, quote, just a toy to him, and she's, like, pretending that he loves her, and it's, it just makes me sad, because it's like, no, he actually does love you. It's, it's just being shown in this, in this way that society has not primed you to think of as love. And it just shows me how incompatible they are, again, because, like, it takes quite a bit of work to get from where Anna is right now and how sheltered and how vanilla she is to understanding that dominance can be an expression of affection. So once they get home, it's once again time for the part of the chapter where they fuck contractually obligated one sex scene per chapter. Anna stops them and says she doesn't want to fuck, she wants to make love. And Christian is confused and says he thought they did make love. Once again, communication is key to avoid these types of situations. And again, like, they're so incompatible that, like, Christian's definition of making love and Anna's definition of making love are so, so far removed from each other that it's like, what? 
I just, I still don't understand why they're still trying to be together because they're so, so incompatible. Anna once again insists that she wants to touch Christian. He says no and says again that it's a hard limit for him because I'm pretty sure he's said before, yeah, no, touching me is a hard limit. And that just brings me to, like, Anna, honey, respecting boundaries goes both ways. Yeah, he needs to do a lot fucking better about respecting your boundaries, but you also need to do better about respecting his, especially about his issues with being touched. He has repeatedly stated that he doesn't like to be touched, and you are continuing to push and continuing to push and continuing to push, and that's not acceptable. That's, like, both of you really, really, really need to understand how to accept the other person's no. Like, that's key. That's absolutely fucking key in any relationship, romantic or not, sexual or not, kinky or not, you need to be able to respect the other person's no. Otherwise, that's not a mutually respectful, mutually trusting relationship, and it's, it just, the foundations will crumble if there is not that trust and that respect of each other's boundaries and each other's consent. Oh yeah, and then she like steps into the bathroom for a sec and starts thinking about how it's just too soon to push him into being touched, as if like he's just adverse to being touched because he's so like weird and kinky and whatever and like, oh, I'll I'll tame him, I'll turn him vanilla and then he'll be okay with being touched. And it's like, no, that's <laughs> that's not how any of that works. And it's also like it seems pretty obvious to me that his aversion to being touched is not just, no, I don't get touched because I'm the top. It's, it's, no, this is bad for me for a very deeply compelling reason. So she comes back, she keeps pushing to know why he has such a problem with being touched, and she finally wears him down so that he agrees to tell her after he spanks her and fucks her, which is kind of problematic in a couple ways. First of all, because he is using that to try to change the subject and try to make her forget about it and it's like remember when you were like eight and went to see a movie with your parents and it had kind of a raunchy joke in it that was not age appropriate for you and you were like what does that mean and your parents were like shh I'll tell you after the movie hoping that you would forget about that question by the end of the movie remember that he's trying to do the exact same fucking thing which is not how you handle that second of all the making the relationship so transactional like that and it it just feels bad it feels manipulative. He's like, fine, I'll give you something you want, which is more information about why I don't like to be touched, if you give me what I want, which is to spank you and fuck you. Like, that's that's not a healthy way to relate to your partner. That's keeping score. That's a transaction. That's like, you owe me this, and now I'll owe you something later. And it's like, it, it's, it becomes so insecure because you can't just be on equal footing, on stable footing. It's always like, oh, I, you know, you owe me something, or like, we have to make it even. And that's not, it's not great. <laughs> so anyway, she agrees to get spanked. He puts kegel balls inside her before the spanking to like add sensation which like first of all they're described as being connected by a rope or like a thread which 
hang on a sec, I knocked something over. Which, like, okay, yeah, like, anal beads and kegel balls used to be connected by, like, cloth ropes. It's not great. It's not sanitizable. It's a breeding ground for bacteria. That's, those are, like, one-use things before they start to become, like, an infection risk. So, this book is from 2011. I don't know, you know, how long it took people to be like, oh, maybe we should come up with a better design <laughs> for Kegel balls. But if there were better options at that point in time, I am severely disappointed that Christian went for the non-sanitizable rope option versus like all silicone or all hard plastic or whatever. <laughs> but I don't feel like doing the research to find out if that was actually an option. So point being, rope not sanitizable. If it goes inside you, also, like, I've never actually been spanked with Kegel balls in, and I am a little bit curious to try it just to, like, see what it's like, you know? Just because, like, why not? Whatever. But I'm pretty sure that it would not add as much pleasure and as much sensation as Anna is describing. Kegel balls are not dildos. They're not vibrators. I would barely classify them as sex toys. They really do not add a huge amount of sensation. So I don't know. Maybe if you were being spanked really hard and they were rattling around and they're really hard, like they might do something, but I have my doubts. <laughs> I don't know. If you had a good experience with Kegel balls and getting spanked, write in and let me know if you want. I'm curious. So he is about to spank her and he says, ask me. And what he means is ask me to spank you. Like he wants her to ask him to spank her and she doesn't get it. She's like, ask me, ask him what? Like, what are you? And he gets mad and like threatens her when she doesn't understand. So she doesn't respond right away, which like, bro, dude, no, that's not, no, don't do that. Don't do that in a kinky context. Don't do that in regular conversation. Like if you ask a vague question, and someone's like, what the fuck? Like, the response is to clarify. The response is not to get mad. Like, what the fuck? Come on. She cannot read your mind. So then she gets spanked and then he, like, pulls the Kegel balls out of her and she almost comes from that sensation, which... <laughs> no. And then afterwards, when they're all done, all he says is his birth mother was a crack whore and that she's dead now. And that's all the info she gets. Chapter over. Done. Goodbye. He gets an entire scene. She gets one sentence. That's it. Real fair trade, bro. I have very briefly been in a sort of a relationship with someone like that who did use that transactional, well, if you give me this, I'll give you something that you want. And it was never a fucking fair trade. It was never, like, what he gave back was always so much less than what I gave to him. Or it was like, oh, well, you didn't do that up to my standards, so I don't have to give you the thing the thing that I promised you yet and like that's exactly what's happening with Christian here and like that relationship that I was in was super toxic and unhealthy this relationship that Anna is in is the same super toxic and unhealthy I hate it here that was chapter 20 let's go <laughs> 
Thank you once again for listening to my latest rant. Thank you for being patient with me as I put out all these episodes late. I am going to try to get back on my regular schedule. I promise. I keep saying that. I promise. It's gonna happen. My name is Lee. You can find my non-sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash artist. And actually, I am on an indefinite hiatus from sex work, so I should change my little, you know, end of show notes. All of my sex work social media is still up. If you do want to follow it, it's at allmylinks.com slash candykitten, but it's gonna be a lot less active for the foreseeable future because my... I'm not making enough money. (laughs) I'll be really honest. I'm not making enough money for sex work to become... to be sustainable for me. I was putting in so much effort with so little, you know, coming back to me that it just... I was getting burnt out. That's... it's a big contributing factor to why these podcast episodes have been so late. So, until further notice, I'm taking a break from the spicy life. <laughs> However, you can still follow this podcast at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod. Be sure to check the episode description for the spellings on all of those links. Speaking of links, you can find this podcast's Patreon at that last All My Links link, where you can support this podcast monthly in return for some fun, exclusive of content, which I am still trying to post even as I'm posting everything late. I'm, I will get it all up eventually. It'll happen. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can't, don't want to, or don't feel comfortable supporting me monetarily, and trust me, you know, holidays are expensive. I get it. Please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. Tell a friend. Tweet it. Tumblr it, Instagram it, whatever you want to do to spread the word about this humble podcast. That would be so, so appreciated. Our logo, my logo, really, this podcast's logo, is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com. Until next time, remember your rack. That's risk-aware consensual kink. Bye! sad I'm not paying attention to him so you might hear him yelling throughout this episode just a moment I'm flipping through here so they've agreed to this like certain schedule oh bonk exactly kitty hang on I'm trying to find this quote uh whatever Cat, please, not on my laptop. Go in your drawer, buddy. Oh my god, I have so many notes for this chapter. Um, remember your rack. That's risk aware consent. Let's do that again.